Welcome to our online midweek Bible study. We are in Hebrews and we are examining how Jesus is greater and superior to all, to everything. This week we turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 8 to see how the New Testament, the new covenant of Jesus is greater and superior to every covenant, including the Mosaical covenant, the Old Testament. I encourage you to access the notes for this lesson on the website and read Hebrews chapter 8 before listening to the rest of this podcast. So if you haven't done so already, go ahead and pause the podcast, get the notes, read the scriptures, and then come back and join the rest of the podcast. Let's begin in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. This is the continuation of Jesus being the greatest and superior high priest where we wrapped up our lesson last time. Now the main point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Now remember that phrase was used all the way back in Hebrews chapter 1 when we saw the evidence as to why Jesus is the greatest and superior to all. He sits down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven he serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human hands. So I want us to see the superiority of Jesus in the nature and the place of his ministry and how that relates to why Jesus' new covenant, this New Testament, is greater and superior to any other covenant. Now notice in verse 1 that he's described as a high priest who has taken his place at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. That phrase should remind you of three stages of exaltation, which the Lord Jesus Christ experienced after his humiliating death. His death on the cross on our behalf was the very pit, the lowest of his humiliation. But then his exaltation begins. He's raised step by step, immediately following his resurrection. His resurrection is the first state in that exaltation. His ascension is the second step in that exaltation. And his exaltation sitting at the right hand of God in the heavenly throne is the third stage of that exaltation. And the future, the next exaltation will be when he comes again in power and glory and clouds and comes with the salvation for all his people. Jesus is the greatest and superior high priest that sits as a king. He's the king priest we talked about last time, enthroned at the right hand of God in glory. What's he doing? He's interceding. He's mediating for us. And his word is speaking out on us good and favor for all his people. Now notice what he's doing in verse 2. He is ministering. He is serving in the true tabernacle. He serves in the sanctuary, that true tabernacle set up by the Lord and not built by human hands. See, Jesus is ministering in the true tabernacle because his sacrifice was the real sacrifice. Now the priest of the old covenant, the Mosaical covenant, ministered in the tabernacle and then in the temple. 
But that tabernacle, that temple was simply a foreshadowing of a greater reality and a greater sacrifice to come. And we'll see that in a couple of chapters later in Hebrews. Jesus is a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle where the Lord pitched, not man. No man, no matter how skilled, pitched the tabernacle in which the Lord Jesus Christ ministers. He ministers in the tabernacle erected by his father. His sacrifice is the real sacrifice. And so when you look at this, you think what sacrifice of the old covenant can match that sacrifice? The real sacrifice of Jesus Christ that brings us into fellowship with God. And the answer is not one of them. Not the blood of bulls and goats. Not one of them. Jesus is greater and superior as this great high priest serving in the true sanctuary. Look in verse 3. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it's necessary for this one also to have something to offer. We're reminded here that the very essence of the function of the priesthood is to meditate, to offer up sacrifices for the sins of God's people unto God, standing in between and offering up prayers and supplications and intercessions and sacrifices to God Most High, that he would deal graciously and merciful then with his people. That's the essence of a priesthood, to offer that sacrifice, to intercede, to meditate, or, or rather, to meditate, to, medi to mediate for us. I'll say it in just a moment. Sorry about that. No, what Jesus offered was not something else. He offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. Now, there's a great confidence, can't we, have that we draw from that gospel truth? There is no circumstance in life that can be changed or that can change that reality. No one can take that reality away from you and me that he is that perfect one that's talked about in the truth of the gospel. They can take our lives in martyrdom, but they cannot take away that reality. They can try to destroy the church, but they cannot take away the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. For them who love the Lord have been united by him and to him by the spirit in faith, who have trusted and rested in him for salvation, and nothing can take that reality away. The ministry, the work of the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ is finished. It's final. It's superior. It's worked. It worked for us. It brought us into fellowship and reconciliation with God. Now, we see the superiority of Jesus then in this new covenant that he brings. Why is the new covenant of Christ superior and greater to any other covenant, including the Mosaical covenant or what is now called the Old Testament? Because Jesus is the mediator of that covenant. Look in verse 6. In fact, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs. That's the Mosaic priesthood, the regulations and the offerings. As the covenant of which Jesus is mediator is superior to the Mosaic one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. We have the better promises. In other words, he's saying Jesus is greater and superior, not only because he's the greater and superior priest, but because he is a priest of a superior and greater covenant. What makes it superior? What are the better promises? Well, look in verse 7 through 9. 
For if nothing had been wrong with that first covenant, that's the old covenant, no place would have been sought for another. That's the New Testament. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them. The people of Israel broke the covenant relationship with God. They're out of covenant. They need to be brought back into covenant with God. It's going to require a new covenant. You see, God would not have announced a new covenant, that's what Hebrews is saying, if the old one worked. What's it saying? What's our old saying we say? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, this was broken. And this is what he says in verse 13. By calling this covenant, that's the covenant that Jesus brings, new, he has made the first one, that's the old covenant, obsolete. And what is obsolete is outdated and will disappear. Now, please understand, the Mosaical law, the covenant, now called the Old Testament, is not faultless in the sense that it fails to do what God intended for it to do. It was not flawed in that sense. The point is that God never intended for those Mosaic covenant ritual sacrifices and offerings to be the ultimate things upon which his people trusted. Those old, now obsolete covenant rituals themselves were designed to point away from themselves to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that finished work of Christ was complete, it made the Old Testament Mosaical Covenant rituals useless. And it would now be blasphemous to go back and reinstitute those rituals and offerings and add them to the New Covenant. To do so would bring into question the finished work, the finality, the sufficiency, the efficacy of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He took away our sins once and for all through his sacrifice. This new covenant is superior and greater than the Mosaical covenant or any other covenant because Jesus is the mediator of this covenant and brings with it the better promises. Now look in verse 10 and you see another reason provided as to why the new covenant is greater and superior. It is a better covenant because the law is written on the hearts of God's people and not on stone. In what way is this covenant better? Well, here's what he says. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, in the Old Testament, when Moses came down from the mountain, where was the law written? It was written on tablets of stone by the very finger of God. And that was a glorious thing, wasn't it? When Moses comes down from the mountain, he comes down with the law of God written by God's finger, his own hand into those tablets for the people. That's the hallmark of the Mosaical covenant, that they received written revelation from God himself. These were not the words of Moses. These were not the words of men, but that God took the initiative, that God took the time to reveal himself and write with his finger into that stone that Moses carries down. And that story 
is repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament as the high point of God's revelation himself through Moses to the people of God. But I want you to notice something. As glorious as that is, in this New Testament, this New Covenant, God writes his law by his spirit into your heart. You carry it wherever you go. In other words, the New Covenant is better and superior and greater because it's written into your heart. It works in the people of God into the heart to change us, to bring faith and salvation, to keep that hope alive. It's not some sort of monument that we go to visit. It's not associated with some sort of mountaintop that we go to or we have to go to in a pilgrimage. No, it's within us in our own hearts. Now, Paul dives into this in greater detail in 2 Corinthians 3 and also chapter 4. So I want us to go there for a moment as Paul speaks of this. And we're just going to look at chapter 3, but I encourage you to, as chapter 3 finishes, go ahead and read the fourth chapter that ties right into it. Here, let's start in verse 6. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? We have something greater, superior. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? This is the new covenant, superior and greater than the old. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. That's the surpassing glory of this new covenant that Jesus has given us. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? This is not temporary. This is not a covenant that's going to be replaced with another covenant. This is the permanent covenant. Therefore, Paul says in verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil on, over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. They can't see Jesus in it. They can't see what it was pointing to. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Christ is the fulfillment of of the old covenant. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, and that is still true here in the 21st century. When many Jews still read out of the Old Testament and they do not see that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. But listen, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's written all over your heart. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. It is the better promise. It's the greater covenant. It's the one that makes all other covenants obsolete because the New Testament is written on our hearts. Now, go back to verse 10 and you see another blessing from this, a better promise. I will be their God in this new covenant, God says, and they will be my people. And so that, that is written here. It's quoted to us. 
And it's talking about the importance of now being in relationship with God, having being part of God's possession, being part of his family. Back in verse 9, remember, it told us that unfaithfulness had broken the relationship between God and Israel. His promise that Israel would be his people and he would be their God that he made with them at the Exodus was broken and severed by the sinfulness and the unfaithfulness of Israel. And Israel and all people need a new covenant that will bring them back, reconcile them back to God. And that's what the New Testament does. He writes it on our hearts. And now this covenant with us, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people, my children. Part of his family. Revelation 21, verse 7. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and they will be my children. Romans chapter 8, 14 through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This New Testament, this new covenant is greater and superior because Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. It is written on our hearts. We are added into God's family. He is our God and we are his people. Continue in chapter 8, verse 11 of Hebrews, you find another reason. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Our knowledge of God is greater under the new covenant than the old covenant. We know God. Our revelation of the salvation from God is now clear to both Jews and all people all over the world. What was a shadow or prophesied in the Mosaical law is fulfilled and revealed in the new covenant. What was a mystery in the old covenant is now made plain to us. In Hebrews 3, 4 and following, Paul talks about this mystery being revealed. He says, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles and heirs are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together of the promises of Christ Jesus. Now, after referring to being a servant and a preacher of the Gentiles, Paul continues in verse nine. He says, I make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Under the old covenant, certain things were a mystery. Certain things still needed to be revealed. Certain things were now hidden. But now God has revealed it all. It's no longer hidden. How? How did he do that? Paul continues. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the ruler and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your knowledge of God is greater and superior to what they had in the Old Testament. The mysteries and the shadows of the Old Covenant are revealed, manifested, and fulfilled in the New Covenant. It's the church, not a nation. It's the place where God is now made known to all nations and made plain to all earthly and heavenly authorities that Jesus is superior and greater to all. 
Therefore, His new covenant which He brings to us by His blood is superior and greater to all. That's why Peter says in Acts 4 verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to humans by which we must be saved. You see, that new covenant is superior because Jesus is the mediator of this covenant. This new covenant is greater because it's written on our hearts. This new testament is greater and superior, making the old testament obsolete because it brings back brings us back into relationship with God. We are His people. He is our God. The New Testament covenant reveals the mysteries and fills in the gaps of the lack of knowledge of those that were living under the old covenant. And now I'm leaving the best for last. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Let me ask you a question. How many sins were forgiven by the sum total of all the Old Testament sacrifices that were given throughout all those centuries? Zero. None. All the sins of the people in all ages are forgiven only by the blood of Christ. The blood of the bulls and goats did not forgive their sins. It's the old song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That means that Abraham's sins and Moses' sins and Aaron's sins and Joshua's sins and David's sins were rolled forward. They were not forgiven by the animal sacrifices. They were forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And the Hebrew writer is saying that this new covenant has been fulfilled. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. The better promise, the great superior new covenant is all these things we've just looked about in Hebrews chapter eight. But the greatest I think of all is that my sins are washed away by the blood of the lamb. Jesus is greater and superior to all making his covenant, this New Testament, the greatest and superior of all. That is why I hope that this lesson is a blessing to you. What great scriptures and deep thought by the writer of this letter of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to provide us such a clear, compelling, perfect evidence that the New Testament is the only covenant that we need. That's why we only follow the New Testament. Jesus said he fulfilled the Old Testament. You know, there's a trend today for Christians to try to incorporate parts of the Old Testament into New Testament living. So I think it's important for us to remind ourselves and to note how Hebrews chapter 8 ends in verse 13. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. Now, what does obsolete mean? No longer in effect. It doesn't mean that we are to revive it or to renew it or bring it back to life. It doesn't mean that we've forgotten about it and we need to remember it again. No, it's obsolete for a reason. The new covenant did what the old could not. And that is because of Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven 
thoroughly, completely, and perfectly through the death and the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, thanks for being a part of this study. And if you missed any of the previous lessons, please go back to the website and catch up. I think it will strengthen your faith and increase your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ.